This week on Geek Explained, in our December finale, I'm joined by Brad and Lisa of Comic Book Couples Counseling to take a retrospective look at Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney's Firepower. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode is our December finale! We have dedicated the entire month of December to independent creator-owned comics, and this week we are closing things out in a grand fashion as we cover Firepower by Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney, and I will be joined by Brad and Lisa Gullickson of the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I've had them on the show before, and it was wonderful to have them back on to discuss a series that is near and dear to all of our hearts. So I hope you enjoy our big in December finale as we discuss one of my favorite books of the last few years. I absolutely adore that book and I'm saddened that as you are listening to this, the final episode, or the final issue rather, has dropped with issue number 30. I have still not read it as we are uh, recording, as you are listening to this. I hope everyone had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Um, I hope I did. I'm recording this a little teeny bit in advance, so I, as I'm recording this to you, future person, uh, have not quite had Christmas yet, but I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas and I hope that you're having a great uh, Christmas hangover week as we head into New Year's Eve this coming weekend. Uh, we also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. Uh, no weekly review for real this time, I promise. I had to do a little bait and switch last week just because I, it felt too good not to. But yeah, it's going to be a real simple episode to close out the year. Just our big discussion with uh, Brad and Lisa on Firepower, our comics countdown as we do every single week and then we're gonna get you on out of here so you can head off into your 2024 so without further ado let's head right on into the main event the main course the entree if you will as brad and lisa gullickson and i discuss firepower firepower is destined to save the world. But Owen Johnson has turned his back on that life. He doesn't want the power. He never did. But unseen forces are at work to make a normal life impossible. Danger lurks around every corner as Owen's past comes back to haunt him. 
We are here. It is the finale of In December. We have devoted the entire month of December to create our own comics. And this one's been a long time coming. You have heard me shout into the void about how much I love this comic. You've heard me talk about how, if you're not reading it, I will be in your walls. Um, Firepower has been a book that I have kept near and dear to my heart. And I know that I can get a little push when it comes to talking about comics that I love, but that's what happens when you talk about comics that you love. And speaking of love, I am not alone talking about the absolutely amazing collaboration between Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney. I am joined by maybe the experts when it comes to comics and love, at least in my book. It's Brad and Lisa of Comic Book Couples Counseling. Welcome back to Geeksplained. Thank you so much for having us. Hello. I'm really stoked about this because um, I'm sure this is no surprise to you, but I'm a huge fan of their podcast, have been for years, and they recently just celebrated five years on CBCC uh, by cracking the door open on maybe my favorite couple outside of uh, Superman and Lois. So I am... I, I'm stoked. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. You you got me in the door with uh, with Scott and Gene, but now we're now we're coming into my domain, and I'm really excited about that. Scott and Emma Frost, like uh, I, I I have had so much fun just talking a little bit about them, and I'm I'm really curious to get into that whole relationship in January on the show, but I'm also pretty nervous. Because opinions uh, about them as a couple are so intense, even to this day. Absolutely. They are. I mean, you can I I would say the the discourse of Schema is comparable only to dare I even say it Spider-Man Twitter. And (laughs) it's it is something that is going to get a lot of people talking, but I'm excited. And, And there are no two people who I think are more equipped to handle it than the two of you. So. It's going to be great. If 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 the five-year episode is anything to go by, go listen to it if you haven't already. And I'm I they are in good hands and I'm very excited. I'm just excited to see what you're going to cover. Yeah, me Us too. Us too, because we do not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know like you know, the first episode in January on Scott and Emma will focus on the conclusion of Grant Morrison's new X-Men run, that yes. third uh, volume, the last third of his run. Uh, but beyond that, we're still figuring it out and we're asking uh, listeners to send us their thoughts. Uh, CBCC podcast at gmail.com. We also haven't there chosen who our love expert is going to be. I want to put Gary Chapman to bed. You know what I mean? I feel like I've talked about that guy enough. And I, I just I don't as much as I love those early episodes, I don't want to just rehash. I think that. Scott and Emma, they are creating their own relationship. They have created this third identity that is them, and they deserve their own love expert. I just don't know who it's going to be. Arnold Schwarzenegger has a new self-help book out. (laughs) I don't know who it's going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Schema through the eyes of Schwarzenegger. That could be a very interesting discussion. I'm just imagining Terminator eyes. You know, like how they get the (laughs) lines and stuff. Am I making just, a RoboCop? Just Scott and Emma in Both. red. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Great. Emma, Emma looks great. Right? It's it's how Scott sees the world anyway. So yeah. I mean, there's connection. No, isn't it yellow? 
No, it's red. It's red? It's red. I got I get confused. From, from get his so punch dimension, you know. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah schema is a conversation for another day and trust and believe i'm going to be uh blowing up their dms and emails and you should be doing the same but we respectfully, welcome it we respectfully welcome it. uh i'm really excited about that but we are talking about firepower and firepower is very near and dear to me um as an asian american comic book fan and seeing especially in the last, I want to say like five years, kind of the explosion of Asian led comic books reaching kind of like mainstream appeal. Uh, it's, it's been something that has been carrying through that entire time. It's about to hit 30 issues. And unfortunately, as I've been lamenting for uh, at least a couple months since they announced it, uh, 30 is where it ends. And this episode, as you were listening to this listener, drops the same day as that issue so you get to go through the entire journey uh before we uh before we inevitably watch its end but i want to know uh what the two of you have been feeling about the book because you are one of the only people who i can talk about firepower with because i feel like as good as it is the creative team is incredible the uh book has been wonderful to read through it's still incredibly slept on yeah, it's interesting. You know, there have been several Robert Kirkman scripted series, uh, you know, since his big two hits, and some have bigger reach than others. And I feel like the conversation around firepower was really strong when it launched in such a spectacular fashion. But mm-hmm. yeah, it has dwindled a little bit. And, you know, with everything going on uh, regarding the Energon universe and Void Rivals and Transformers and Duke and Cobra Commander, uh, like it's almost unfortunate that the final issue of firepower is coming out just as the heat is seriously building on Kirkman's other comic project right now. Um, But I do think also it'll be a book that once it's all wrapped up and collected and uh, you know, you'll get some nice meaty hard covers, people will come back and discover it. Uh, That's my hope for it anyway. What breaks my heart about it ending at 30 is that this entire story has been about Owen kind of resolving his past and yeah. realizing like I cannot like I cannot function keeping my life in these compartmentalized spaces. I have to approach my family life, my past, my relationship with my martial arts skills. Like all of that needs to be combined in in a way that feels fluid and good to me. Yeah. And so now that that is all like, but then he's like, but I also have to take care of this like snake guy and there's like the whole dragon thing. <laughs> so he's had a, like a lot on his plate and I was looking forward to, okay, where can the family now go once they've reached yeah. this kind of um, holistic approach to who they are as people? When you go right. back to the second trade paperback or maybe even like, the ending of that first prelude trade paperback and you reread it, you realize that it's all been building to the family, like this, this Owen life becoming one. Uh, and, and it's such a unique um, narrative, not narrative force. It's such a unique character focus to have like the family all be kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and you see like, oh, that's where it was always going. But now that we're here, well, this this could be the actual comic. I right. feel like we're ending right when it's like, oh, this is something truly unique and special. You could have almost started here, which would sort of operate like a continuation of the dynamics in Invincible at the mm-hmm. end of that series and the potential of what would have gone on with Grace and Adam even there. Well, I don't want to spoil Invincible, <laughs> but there And whoever family. else might be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess... I guess that's what I'm saying is like, well, now I'm now it feels like it's it's cooking. But it's a testament to what's good about it. It it has really yeah. built our curiosity uh, about these characters, and we want to see what else they can do. Absolutely, we're we're kind of on the cusp of like, you know, approaching FF territory mm-hmm. where it's like everybody's got powers. They can do so many things, and how do they juggle their real lives or their their civilian lives alongside their kung fu fire throwing lives like there is a lot of story potential and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't put it past kirkman to be like you know what we'll let it rest for five years and then gigantic firepower special like one big issue but i do kind of love at the same time the idea brad bring it up of just this thick 30 issue omnibus sitting next to like invincible and yeah. walking dead. Cause this is, I think going to go down as one of, at least for me, one of my personal favorite Kirkman stories. And there's a lot of components that goes into that. Le- not the least of which being Chris Somni on art. Yes. I mean, to me, this is Chris Somni's book more than it's, even Robert Kirkman and that's Somni totally would fair. not say that. <laughs> Somni <laughs> would go like, "That's blasphemous. That's not true." Um, but I, like that—that's the ultimate uh, appeal of firepower to me is what Somni is doing with his illustration, his paneling, his splash pages. I mean, it's god tier work here. And I've been in love with Somni since I first laid eyes on his artwork with uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. That w- yeah. that began my love affair with honestly that character. That began my love affair with Somni's art and just how much his art has evolved while still keeping a lot of the same um, DNA as when he dove into that series watching him just elevate in every single series that i've seen him in since has been incredible and this is one of the i think he takes incredibly big swings across this series and his approach to drawing this series changes over the course of the book where i feel like um he was kind of like feeling out the characters and, and uh like i feel like the more the story grew in kind of forward momentum, that dynamic started showing in his lines. Yeah. His lines became mm-hmm. thicker. They became quicker. They became, um, you you feel that kind of kinetic force in them. And you have to remember, bef- they before they had even launched the book, they had done the work of the prelude and I think 10 issues. So yeah. they had this huge back catalog that they had built 
before they published the first issue on the mm-hmm. stands. And then it became a, a mission of like, well, okay. So Chris Somney's got like six months ahead of schedule. And now I got to stay ahead of schedule. So you, I think he has to speed up a little bit. That's the less yeah. romantic way to talk about it. Though, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, now he's rushing. <laughs> well, now he's in the engine. Like yeah. the train is yeah. moving. Yeah. So I, I think when you, once the train is moving, he has to adjust. But I think that urgency can be a great. Oh, I'm not saying that as a negative. For sure. I'm not saying it as a negative at all. <laughs> yeah. If, if if this is what he looks like when he's rushing, then my God. <laughs> yeah. And I, and like, I don't even want to say that he's rushing because I feel like. That is to, what you implied. Well, no, to, to, <laughs> to say that he's rushing means that I have to have knowledge that I don't have. Right, like, I don't course. know mm. what it was like for him in the room because I was not with him in the room. But I do I, I do think what you see is a change. And my speculation is that that change occurs because of my train metaphor. For sure. But also, I mean, trains go pretty far, pretty long, and they're pretty powerful. And so are, uh, as a really bad segue, dragons, I like where <laughs> we get to like see... <laughs> they both have fire, right? Well, they I mean, both, it depends they on the they kind They both breathe smoke, you know? <laughs> at, at least the older ones did, I think. They're both alive, if we're talking about Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I I just watched uh, not to derail this John Oliver. Yes, yeah, so we. we about Thomas. Like, oh, trains <laughs> three <laughs> miles long. They're an impending disaster <laughs> that's going to ruin uh, like an urban area near you. Yeah, just like the dragon. Just like the, just dragon. Like the dragon. It's almost. <laughs> It's almost like Robert Kirkman is an open communication with John Oliver. I got like, to say, that's like the other like great moment of firepower is, you know, like the first chunk of story, you're, you know, you're, there's this this myth of the dragon mm-hmm. and you're like, well, this isn't real. Like, and oh, we're just going to hold this at arm's length. At no point was like, we're going to see this dragon anytime soon. And when we do see the dragon, suddenly like the book becomes something else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the and what the dragon meant in the relationship between Owen and Wei Lun and Master Wei Lun, and yes. um, like the idea of like I love that moment when um, Owen goes to look for the dragon on his own, and he is caught, and Wei Lun goes like you're you're worrying a lot about um, something that is truth. But, like, something that is truth is going to be true whether you actually know it or not. And, like, the dragon being true either way is uncomplicated. And you have so many other things in your life, you know, to worry about before. Like before, you need to know if the dragon. I mean, they're is talking about not. faith in this book in yes. regards to the dragon. Oh, and, for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and but then the dragon is flipping real. It's it just—it's—it's it's a. I think it's one of the best examples of escalation over the course of a long story, um, because it starts out very. I mean, you look at the the prelude graphic novel. It's a very simple on paper story. Two warring clans, this mystical power that hasn't been seen in a thousand years. Your protagonist is looking for his identity and trying to find the origin of his parents. He stumbles upon this Jordan-loving wise man. As a side note, Chris Somney, I just reading through like the backup stuff. 
apparently hates drawing all these shoes, but he's so good at them. He's so good. Yeah, the he's shoes so are great. good at them. But it, it turns from this very simple story. And I remember being blown away reading through that prelude. Everything that was happening, you get, you get the triumphant moment of the firepower, and then it just 15 years later. And mm-hmm. I flipped, flipped my lid. Smacked. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, again, the way that they released the, the, the comic into the world by giving you this meaty trade paperback as your gateway and at the same time you're reading it you're going like okay yeah this is great i want to read this series yeah 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 and then when you realize that the series isn't the thing you've been reading the series is going to be the 15 years later right that was such a satisfying moment and like the next week was free comic book day and they dropped the first issue in your hand and i can't remember the last time i was that excited or about a launch of a comic book series. It was mm. so well executed. Actually, I can't remember the, the last time it was when Void Rivals turned out to be a Transformers comic. <laughs> <laughs> Kirkman Can knows I tell what you, he's doing. I, I distinctly remember that day I was at my comic book shop and I don't know if, I feel like it was you, but it might have been somebody else who was like, Y'all go go get Void Rivals. You're yeah, not ready. Go get vo- yes. Okay. So it was you because I was in my comic shop and I was standing in line and you know we all do what we do when we're standing in line. We scroll through our phone and I look and I'm like, oh, okay. And I turned around and I see I think there was like two copies of Void Rivals left. And I was like, well, I'll pick it up. I mean, Brad's got good taste. I've never been steered wrong before. And then just blown away again by that. It's and. Very quickly, Void Rivals has been incredible. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's been a it. wonderful Love world building. Yeah. And as as cool as like, yes, Transformers, we got G.I. Joe coming and all the assorted uh, Hasbro-verse stuff coming in with the Energon stuff. Um, Void Rivals has been Loki, my my favorite part of that. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really really good. Like I love Salila, I love Derek, and I think that's yes. another really interesting uh, relationship dynamic that we can explore on the podcast for sure. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. And I'm excited that you know the way that they're talking about Void Rivals is it's going to be a long series. But now when Kirkman says it's going to be a long series, it's like, <laughs> well, is it 30 issues, Kirkman? Like, yeah. Void Rivals 30 issues. Are you so, going to my get my hopes up? I don't think he. I mean, again, this is me being speculation, so I shouldn't be talking like this. But I don't think he has the energy right now to do a walking dead or an invincible. Like I'd, I'd be shocked to see a, another 140 issues come out of Kirkman. Um, but prove me wrong. Cause that's what I want, dude. For sure. And, and I mean, this is speculation station, so don't, don't <laughs> worry about that. Like I, I really want Void Rivals to be a good long series to explore because the amount of world building that they have done in just the few issues that we've had has been tremendous. The Great Ring, the war between the two, or the the stalemate, apparently, between the two civilizations has been incredible. But I also felt that way about Firepower. Same. Yeah, where, like- again. What gets me excited about uh, Void Rivals is like the big world building, but what got me excited about Firepower was the small world building, the intimate world building, where you see Owen's relationship with Kelly, and they have this like high-functioning, very equal relationship where they are allowing their kids to be themselves and and make mistakes and and then um all of course his past that he's been trying to 
compartmentalized comes crashing into them and they take it on as a family. Like I was never as excited about like what was like, um, I cannot tell you about the smaller ins and outs between the clans and all of that stuff and firepower, <laughs> but I can tell you in intimate detail everything that is going on in Kelly and Owen's relationship. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where the heart of fire firepower always was for me. And I think Kirkman has always been really keyed into those kind of relationships mm -hmm. and like the melodrama of it all. Very few people do soap opera like he does. Yeah. And these just the soap opera of I loved this person in a very specific moment of my time. I thought they were not around anymore my life moved on i fell in love i got married i had kids and oh no this person is now here and i have confused feelings mm -hmm. um the lings on of it all uh bringing her back and having her get her own autonomy outside of just being the ex who right. died is again masterful storytelling and a great use of like the ability to spin several different plates while all this macro stuff is going on. And the, the excitement that I had for the story, not to execute the cliche of like, Owen's now got feelings for her. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yeah. no, what's going to happen here? Like between the relationships, like the book never went off into that realm. And I was so thankful. Yeah. Same. Like he always understood what the difference was between Kelly and oh, I've already forgotten her name. That's how that's how Ling's That's how devout I am to Kelly. <laughs> but um, like he, the problem wasn't oh now who 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 am I supposed to love? The problem was how do I articulate to my wife what the difference is in the loves? Yeah, and and that and how do I articulate how they each have a place, but one is one is the one is real. You know, right. I love the and, use of the word real. And also just the, the you know, trying to resolve those feelings in himself as mm -hmm. well. It's, it's, it's not like a lost love. I got to see where, you know, where we left off and all this. It's like, how do I, how do I deal with the unresolved stuff and, you know, square that circle with how much growth I've had as a person since then? Yeah. Because again, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you run into somebody you went to high school with and it's like, they didn't see the amount of, you know, character development you went through. They didn't go through your, your 200 issues of, you know, learning how to be a person. So I, I I do love, like you said, like how they didn't dive straight into that version of soap opera melodrama, but went into a much more, I think, healthy version of that. And that's something that I've loved about Kelly and Owen's relationship is how healthy it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to underscore what Lisa said about the book, uh, the the. the the central excitement of the book being the small story. Somni is allowed to delve out these amazing splash pages, <sighs> you know, that are obviously about, you know, like we, we get the dragon splash pages, we get the action splash pages, but unlike any other comic book, we get splash pages of reaction shots, 
close-ups, extreme close close-ups. You know, there are two splash pages of the family on a plane, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and like those plane seat splash pages would not exist in any other comic book. And uh, every time we get something like that, uh, you know, spoilers for firepower uh, towards issue 28, we get a splash page of the family looking down at a corpse and you know, the comic gives you the time and the space to observe the emotion that's happening on each face, you know, mm-hmm. in a two page splash. And like, you know, nobody else is doing that. No. And and I definitely want to come back around to issue 28 yeah, yeah, in a yeah, bit. Yeah. As a that a good one. emotionally destroyed me in the best way. Mm-hmm. But Again, like you said, getting into like the smaller scale stuff, like the ability to let things breathe, the amount of collaboration and trust that Kirkman and Somni display in every single issue. And we get the benefit of having them essentially have like a little interview with each other after every issue, which I have never you know seen before in a comic that's being released every single month, kind of every single month. There's, there's a delay, <laughs> but... I I mean, getting into their heads about, okay, this is why we made this choice. I, I really didn't want to do this, but I trusted you. And this is what came out of that. It's inspiring as a creator, just in any field to be like, if you find people who are talented and who you can put your trust in, they will make magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to know how those backup interviews were conducted were they done over the phone were they done via zoom is there audio available because i want to listen to that podcast same yeah 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 i i could absolutely see them doing like a a podcast companion once everything is collected oh man that would be so fun that's too good to be true it's too good (laughs) (laughs) but you know a good creative partnership is just like a good marriage like you have to give them space you have to give your partner space to do what they do best and it is a thing of trust it is like a you know i you know i have to trust you to to um kind of complete complete an idea or complete my life or or complete my family yeah And I think it's shown how much that impacts the story itself by how complete that family unit is. Having both of their kids not be, you know, fitting into the, the damsel in distress, you know, they're always getting kidnapped, giving them autonomy, giving them, you know, the, the whole relationship between, um, Oh no. Why am I blanking? Doug and Haley. Uh, Haley, Haley and her sort of not really boyfriend, <laughs> just I die every time he appears because he is my favorite. He's Loki, my favorite supporting character Tyler. appears in maybe two issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, so good. really digging into those relationships and showing that these are complete people, not just, you know, characters in a comic book. And there's nothing wrong with that, but giving them pathos and giving them depth makes you care about the characters outside of the world ending circumstances that they're in. Yeah. But again, like, I feel like that's one of the things that I'm disappointed about regarding the conclusion, because we do get an issue like 28 where it really does feel like the Doug issue. And Mm -hmm. you start to imagine if this were to continue, we would get 
the Haley arc, mm -hmm. the Doug arc. Mm -hmm. I want to like dig into their internal lives a little bit more, uh, yeah. just as they were getting like really interesting. Especially when it comes to where like they're two very contrasting characters mm -hmm. and the way that they contrast kind of underscore one of the themes of the book, like where do you draw your power from? Like when yeah. Haley first starts expressing her firepower, it was from this place of anxiety. Like she had had the experience of seeing the snake guy for the very first time. She was having nightmares and she wanted to be able to protect herself. And from that place, her fire came where Doug is much more happy-go-lucky. He's much more like, hey, this is all very cool. And and um and I wanna be like my dad. And I and I wanna I wanna um be like I wanna be seen, I wanna help. And so his power comes very much from like this love place. So we have that contrast of like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like Haley was Owen before, before Kelly, you know, mm -hmm. where he was, his, his firepower came from fear. And it was really through um, watching his family grow that he goes, oh, actually, no, when I focus my power through love, I have, it's much more clarifying. And like, we don't get to see, and, and then we see, um, Doug become more fearful. And, yeah. and I feel like we have that one moment where Haley jumps out of the plane with her mom, but we don't really have that like complete circle of like Haley getting to express her power through love. I, I, I would love, like, and I go, like, can that happen in one issue? You know, and I, I don't know. <laughs> That's all issue 30. That's what's <laughs> happening. No, issue. I, I absolutely agree. I'm. I will be forever bitter that we didn't get a pizza dog style peanut butter issue yeah! from uh, from Chris Somney. But I also fireball from peanut butter. Yeah, j just one, just one. It's coming. <laughs> it's gonna. He's gonna bark it out. Uh, I I love that you brought up where everyone gets their firepower from. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of the most recent issue with Maguang. Yes, uh, where he derived his firepower from, and having the not just the access to the power be so tied into your mental health but the more that you accept that part of yourself the stronger your uh your firepower becomes is not just a not just narratively an incredible way to you know build out a power set that everyone can kind of be a part of, but also for the accessibility to a reader mm -hmm. to be like, they're, they're very, you know, I, I did an episode. I, uh, at some point in the past, that was like my top five, like feel good comics, like comics where when you're feeling down, you can just sit down, read, and it can impact you in a way that, can be helpful and having a comic like this especially a an ongoing not just like a really great graphic novel having something essentially kind of be like a mental health check every single month of being like look this person is feeling this way this person is feeling this way it gets you it gets you not just invested in the characters but it endears you to those characters especially the ones that you might align with mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely agree. I, like, that's my only response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, um, I'm a singer. I'm an opera singer, and I, and I've lately been having this huge breakthrough with my singing because we had we went to New York Comic Con. You know, we just had our five year anniversary of the podcast. We've been getting so much affirmation. And I, my love tank is like so full right now. I'm like so filled with love right now that I find myself accessing my firepower. So I'm like literally seeing that come to fruition in my life. Where, but I do have that time in my life, like when I was in graduate school and I was singing scared all of the time. And did yeah. I do some amazingly rad and terrifying and huge and wonderful things? Yeah. But am I, was I happy? No. No. So like, I, I love that, um, the firepower of the Johnson family and, you know, of this whole world is, um, something, yeah. Like you said, like that it is something that is accessible. And then like, I, I feel like it's just like so much more than just like a really rad power. Yeah. It's not. Wow. Yeah. It, it, and it's not, um, and you know, bloodline related or, or right. strength. Yeah. Like you're just so strong, strong, strong. You're you just got to so try strong. harder and you'll win the day. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and that's Bane something a little that... bit harder, Batman. Yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> just I punch mean... a little bit harder with a little bit deeper pockets. Well, you yeah. think like, what if Batman really learned how to, access love and channel his power through love like that would be a very different comic you know Absolutely. he's he's like he pulls it from fear he's a fear guy for sure and and i think that would be that would be a fascinating uh discussion just in and of itself like where does everyone get their you know their firepower from who do you you know align with and it gives you as a reader, a lot of reason to go back and reread and be like, okay, I align with this person. I yeah. see where they're coming from. I access my firepower that way. Wonder and Woman, it, love. Yes. Yeah. Superman, love. I don't know why I'm doing DC. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> ready. I'm, I'm like, yes, okay, let's do this. <laughs> Let, let's pull out the fear. Excel spreadsheet. I'm going to do this. Spider-Man, fear. Absolutely fear. And I'm glad you brought him up because there's been, you know, I've always told people, like, if you want to see, like, a Spider-Man or a... This was obviously before we got that uh, that incredible Wally West run. Um, and a great Wally West run that we're getting right now as well. Um, if you want, like, superheroes living with their family and, like, having, you know, adult relationships and adult problems, like, firepower is your bag yeah. because it shows all of those stories and shows you know gives you at least for me that you know fills that renew your vows shaped hole totally. in the in the comic book uh, you know the comic book stack but being able to not just see characters realize where their firepower comes from and then key into it and accept those parts of themselves mm -hmm. is a huge part of the book. And that's something that I've always loved about Owen as a character is that he is someone who deals with a lot of, he does deal with a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't align with him in those, you know, those fears and those anxieties. We all have them, but having a character who not only has to 
face those parts of himself, but also learn to love those parts of himself mm-hmm. or else he doesn't get the, you know, quote unquote, growing stronger through the power of God and anime, mm-hmm. like giving him that kind of journey of him accepting parts of himself to become more powerful is a wonderful message to have, especially in modern day comics. Yeah. And accepting and recontextualizing and forgiving characters who have done wrong to him too yes you know his relationship with waylon like that's such uh, a curvy and twisty dynamic and to this last issue i think the biggest emotional um Resp- or like and that response but the, the 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 thing i'm most curious to see resolved or concluded is his relationship with wei lun mm. i agree it's it's you know that relationship as well as i think the relationship between him and ma guang was something that i was really keyed into from the beginning it's that you know to bring up another spider-man analogy it's that you know peter parker flash thompson where ma guang was the he was the bully and he's the first person you go back to that very first issue he's the first person from his old life to show up mm-hmm. and say like hey you might not recognize me because I have beautiful Chris Somni drawn hair now, <laughs> but things are going on and I'm going to need your help. And yeah. Owen Johnson does the classic, you know, reject the call to adventure. And then watching that relationship grow as Ma Guang, you know, we get more of an insight on him and his insecurities leading up to issue 29 yeah. is wonderful. I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> like like i'm trying to figure out like i'm trying to play the game of well here's all the ways it could end yes uh, and hoping that i don't see the way it's gonna end right so just lay it out there so like we know that ma Guang is dealing with a lot of fear yeah and he is resisting owen's encouragement to like go towards the love and, and it's yeah. done no it, like by him attempting to go towards the love he cannot access the firepower and he's yeah. and he said out loud like okay i have to find another way like i just i can't do it that way and then we have that hug and i would hate to see that hug do nothing yes you know what i mean i would hate to see that hug be meaningless but the presentation of the final page of 29 is oh no he has access to firepower but through fear and so naturally you're like okay the last issue is going to be a fight between these two but is that what i want that would be heartbreaking that would be for sure you know but i i also think that thematically the the idea of becoming you know or rather not becoming, but rather accepting the truer parts of yourself, even mm-hmm. the ones that you don't like to admit. Cause I mean, that that whole, I mean, last couple issues of Maguang's story is of him feeling incredibly inadequate mm-hmm. after being, you know, big kid on campus at the temple all the way up until Owen shows up. And then him being the only person in their whole army that cannot access this, you know you kind of forget that like 
oh, this guy was this guy was kind of a dick at the beginning. Right. And what you know, you feel sad for him. You want him to access it just as much as everybody else does. But yeah, it is it is very curious how that is going to resolve itself, especially when we have, you know, the seemingly unkillable dragon that keeps popping up no matter how much we knock it down. So then the other idea is that, okay, you know, fear is a valid emotion as much as anything else. Love, you know, like, can you balance those two? Like, do you need those two? Is it just like, like fear Ray is not in and, um, and yeah, it's a rise of Skywalker situation. <laughs> um, but like, like, do you have the story of, you know, balancing those two sides to f- defeat or tame the dragon. And is that satisfying to me? So like- it's been stated outright that the only thing that can kill the dragon is the absolute most amount of fire. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It has mm-hmm. to be completely <laughs> yeah. eradicated. So it's just like, you're going to get a team up of the t- of fear and love and they will eradicate the dragon. That is Hopefully. my speculation. Mm-hmm. Am I satisfied with that? I don't think so, unless it's told in a way that it does satisfy me. That's called narrative. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to leave. I'm I'm trying to keep my heart open. Oh, my heart's super open. Allow myself to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My heart's. But it's difficult. It's difficult when you you've gone through these years at this point of being attached to these characters, being attached to the story and watching as it's evolved. Like when it started, this story was very low stakes Mm. in that it's Owen fighting ninjas in his house to make sure, but silently so that his family doesn't wake up. Like, (laughs) oh my God, one of my favorite issues of the entire series. And it's the second issue. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But then it slowly starts to escalate. Like, okay, we got to go back to the temple. What you knew was not what you knew. And we have to do shifting perspectives. We see the clans once again, and then we get the you know, the advent of the serpent's crown and all of the, you know, leading up the return of Master Shaw and everything that had been set up in the prelude all the way up to this giant dragon destroying Chicago. Like, watching how that story is gone, it's really terrifying to think, how are they going to wrap all this up in not just a satisfying way, but in a way that makes sense for the escalation of the series. Mm. Yeah. But Kirkman does really good with conclusions. Like his final issues are usually pretty darn good. Does he? (laughs) Were we satisfied with the end of Invincible? I was. I was satisfied (laughs) with the end of of Invincible. That's right. I forgot. Go listen to Comic Book Couples Counseling. (laughs) Do that. Go, go listen to their their Mark and Eve stuff because they're. I don't know. I and this is unlocking a core memory for me now. I remember driving. It was um, we were driving to uh to Tuesday. It was actually around this time when I was listening to the episode. Um, we were driving to Tucson. We, we have like an eight hour drive, and uh, my fiance and I were. You know, she was knocked out she she doesn't do road trips well so she takes some drama me she goes to sleep so it's usually just me and a podcast for you know however many hours during that time and when we got to the point where lisa just absolutely destroyed this ending oh no 
<laughs> I laughed so hard that it woke up my fiance from a dead sleep <laughs> because I had never heard someone express that feeling about that ending. Yeah. And it was incredible. It was yeah. incredible. But I am like, as much as I say, I'm like, I'm trying to leave my heart open. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. I am a person who will build a narrative based on a thesis statement that maybe not everybody's agreed upon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, that's I, Lisa's favorite thing to do is present her <laughs> thesis statements to creators and go like, this is what your comic's about. And, and then go like, like what? Maybe? <laughs> I guess you can read that into it. That's not every interview. This is what your, your book is about. I don't know. <laughs> can we, can we go back and like, I feel like we've, uh, we've, we've skipped over end. something that is enormous. And that is the theme of, or the consequence of Owen being adopted. Yes. And how the idea of like, well, I was going to have this one life. And then um, two people made a decision, two strangers made a decision, and I was picked up. And I had this completely other life. So from that, that means... I like I can be able to pick up my life and choose. You know what I mean? That right. I can't like and, and that theme of like especially in the beginning of the book where he goes like, "Oh, I can opt out of this part of my past." You know, I tried going back. I tried doing the fire power thing. It wasn't what I expected. And so I I get to choose, you know, I get to choose between these two things and between two different parts of myself. And it's a, and the story really is about going like, um, you don't get to choose. You have to accept every (laughs) single part of yourself and, and seeing how instead of upsetting his family life and ruining his relationship with his wife and, um, uh, fracturing his relationship with his kids or complicating his relationship with his kids, it made his world bigger, actually. It, ne- it never meant that, like, you know, the, like, they're always like, the yard's gonna be there. Like, like <laughs> the yard, I mean, there's something now different, uh, really different about the yard. There's something really unpleasant bit. in the yard. But, like, you know, they always say, like, we can have it all. And, like, nobody can have it all, but they can have it all. You know what I mean? But as long as all of it is you, you know? Absolutely. And and being able to accept all parts of yourself mm-hmm. is a, I mean, it's it's part of that experience. And I think that that was something that I really, I, I loved about the story immediately. And obviously, very different situation. But being someone who is of mixed race with two different identities that, you know, I am, you know, beholden to at any, you know, given time. And I've talked about this on the show before. It's what I've loved about Superman. That's mm-hmm. the thing that keyed me into him as a character was this person who kind of struggled with his identity and what to, you know, what masters he would serve when it comes to his acceptance of himself. Who am I? That search for identity is something that I 
absolutely love in every comic that I truly love. Um, that's kind of my through line. But watching Owen have to square that circle mm. and seeing how his family reacts to that, because this could have gone very badly. Having a component of and now your kids are there can go really wrong in stories and we've seen that in the past but seeing that and don't get me wrong listeners i was very nervous when it's like no they're going with you Mm -hmm. i'm like oh this could oh this could be really bad but watching how not only that helps owen on his journey but also helps doug and Haley and kelly accept parts of themselves that they were whether they were too afraid to or unaware of being uh, being part of their identity and their search for themselves and their personal growth was something that made this story sing. Mm. But like now, but there was a, there was a point where they were in too deep Yes, and they were both becoming more and more unhappy. Haley has expressed like, "I'm broken now. I'm broken, yeah. and I'm different." And there was this person I was planning to be, and that person is like not an option anymore. And where they just really didn't have any autonomy anymore when it came to choosing their future. And, and so much happened in issue twenty-eight. Like right. it oh feels like God. so much time passed over this war with the dragon and and like you know how do you go back you can't right so i feel like there's still so much story there when it comes to you know like um now they you know they have an expectation for their future like and it's your job as a parent to give them options and um, because of the whole dragon situation, like their options have changed. And I mean, like that's life, but right. like, that's not how you want to learn it. Being a kid going to war when you're oh, 12, for sure. you know, yeah, it's, it's a really, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's complicated. That's life. That's Absolutely. Life. And, and I think that perfectly sums up like issues 28 because it's, and we keep bringing this up because it was, it was a lot listener. If you haven't read it yet. Can ah. we just spoil it? Or can we, may we spoil it? Let's talk it. Let's, let, let's talk about it. It's, it's one, th- I'm of two minds with issue mm-hmm. 28 because I loved this issue. It was an incredible character piece while also feeling like one of the most cinematic single issues of a comic I've ever read. Yeah, they did the death of the Superman thing, right? Like you yes! read Dan Jurgens issue, every page is a splash page. Chris right. Sonny, every page is a splash page of 28. And yet, it's not like the death of Superman where every page turn is like, this is the fight. We're living this real time. Superman is getting his ass kicked by doomsday. Oh no. Firepower 28 is every page is a splash page. And we are going over months of, of, of time. And, and And Doug is getting sadder and sadder and he is becoming more reliant on his relationship with his grandfather and knowing that there's somewhere on the, on the planet where his life is not changing. Yeah. And, and, and that idea of, you know, the old adage being like, you can never go home again Mm -hmm. is this thing that kind of hangs over it. And I will say, I think in a, in a, you know, the, the, the devil's advocate in me is like, but this could have been another 30 issues of Mm -hmm. exploring this war with the dragon. But at the same time, 
you know, that puts you again in the shoes of Doug in this issue, because it's like, you want that time. You don't, you, you know, things happen and they are done and they forever change your worldview and having, you know, this security, knowing that there is something that he can eventually go home to. And when they finally do, it's no longer there is it's it's heartbreaking yeah and did the grandfather read any of those letters yeah i want to think he did i I don't think so i don't think so yeah it's like like to me because the grandfather not reading the the letters is the more crushing thing right the more crushing thing feels like the most honest thing Um, and the most kirkman thing as well the most kirkman thing yeah 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 Um, I just loved what um, the the grandfather stood for, you know, Owen's yeah. dad stood for throughout the story where he was the source of Owen's idealism. Yes. Like, I love that moment um, in at the so way back in the that first real issue um, at the picnic barbecue, I guess, yes. where the dad says, you know, you know, one day Owen came up to me and asked dad, you know, am I adopted? And, and like, did my parents reject, reject me? And I told Owen, like, Owen, you know, we chose you. So that means you're the most loved. And Owen goes like, dad, that was from a movie that didn't happen in our life. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But like the fact that like, even though that wasn't true, like historically, yeah. It, it it reflected it reflected his dad's idealism like that's the way he would have wanted it to go you know sure. and i and i think that that kind of idealism re- was reflected in owen's training where he yes. he um was extremely adaptable he respected his master even though his master challenged him and he he had it in him to just kind of like not give up and i and i think that 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 came directly from his dad and now what's left is his mom say fried chicken <laughs> oh no what, what's left is his mom and his mom was the one who had to worry you know yeah. and his mom was the one who had to take care you know so like it it's brutal it's, 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 it's really brutal. awful. And, and it's so awful to have that fall right before the comic's going to end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, the 30th issue's got so much to do. It does. It does. And it's, you know, talking about the Johnsons, uh, uh, Bill and they only ever call her Nana, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I don't know if we ever actually find out her name. Well, but she's um, remembering Bill because I did not. I just kept calling him. I always called him Bob. And then I was doing, you know, my read read of this is like, oh, no, his name (laughs) is Bill. Oh, gosh. But like, like you mentioned, like the idea of adoption and having that be such a huge part of Owen's identity of being someone who as as hokey as it sounds, you know, when Bill recounts that story of him being like chosen by love. Hmm. And allowing that to 
inform how he chooses to react to every situation. Um, it's very much to me, again, you know, bringing up my favorite character of all time. It's very Superman in the, in the fact that he is a product of his environment. You know, Clark Kent would not be Clark Kent without the Kents. And similarly, Owen would not be who he is without his parents. And them accepting all of him and all of his family and rolling with every punch, regardless of how much it turned their worlds upside down. Um, really, the family dynamic in this is unmatched. I from, you know, three generations of Johnsons. They are they are goals for sure. When you're talking about, <laughs> you know, great comic book families. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And so I want to, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, about issue 28. Are there ever are there other issues that you two would highlight or any that stick out to you over the course of this 30 issue run? Well, I mean, you know, I we've talked about the prelude. The prelude is essential and the way that the prelude yes. ends with that 15 year jump um, and that second issue being such a fun action issue yeah, uh, but when I start to think about the conclusion of this series, I go back to the prelude, and I wonder if we're going to get another jump. You know, and mm -hmm. and Kirkman also does that's jumps a great in shout. finales, right? Yeah, uh, I'm all, like, I don't think we're going to get this. They've just said like it's a extra thick issue, but how baller would it be if when the third final issue dropped, it was a trade? Oh, they did it like, oh, my and, God. And I, I mean, I think we would know that by now already right. if that was the case. But uh, like that, that's my that was my dream desire for the final issue to be another Oof. trade. Um, Though it would be fascinating if this is a if this is, you know, obviously a, a big beefy issue and then they announce a trade to wrap up everything. you will hear me shout from the east coast you'll hear it <laughs> oh same echo our our voices will meet around kansas yes and someone is gonna like be really confused yeah yeah like in january we get a trade paperback oh, <sighs> yeah yeah but you know people listening to this right now know the answer already yeah, they <laughs> do. Isn't that unfair? It's not fair, you future people. It is. <laughs> it is, you future people. Darn you. Um, you know, I, I, I guess you, you get the leg up on us for uh, it almost being, or I guess past Christmas now. And then like the splash page, I can't even remember what issue it's in, but where we get Wayland screaming, the dragon is real. Right. Yes. And you, you, when you first read it, you're like, well, is like, is he delusional? You know, like, is he delusional? Yeah. Is he accurate? And then when you learn like, oh, the dragon is real on the reread, when he screams, the dragon is real. The emotion of the reread is so much more powerful. Especially because you, you, like you mentioned, you, you go back into the prelude and when he is giving the tour of the temple to Owen, you see him show up to what we think at the time is a statue of master Shaw yeah. and going, man, I can't wait to meet him someday. And on the reread, it's like, Oh no, Waylon, you can wait, please. But yeah, brutal. His return is wild. Mm -hmm. and, um... There's a scene I want to talk about. 
Okay, you so, talk. Uh, there's another I, issue I wanted to talk about. Also, you you talk about your thing, and then I'll flip to my thing. Okay, so um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what issue it it's is. It's in volume five. It's kind of smack in the middle of volume five, and it mm. is a beautiful like reflection of the beginning of the story. So one of the like underlying tensions we see in Kelly and Owen's marriage is that um, she sees. I always forget her name. The the ex-girlfriend. Uh Lingzan. Lingzan. Um she sees she worries that part of Owen feels like Kelly is the like co- consolation prize for this romance that he had as a young man. And right. that his life with Kelly was a substitute for a more exciting life. And, um, and then we have that beautiful scene where he reassures her like, yeah, "Yeah, we, I had this relationship at when I was a, uh, you know, when I was a child, not a child, but when I was a young (laughs) man and I learned a lot about myself from that relationship, but I learned what I, I learned how to live a life from our relationship. You know, we took care of Haley when she was sick. We've sat in the emergency room. Like we've done all of these things together that, that make up a life. Like what I had with Ling Zan made up a story. Stop trying to take my volume. I just want to look at it. I'm just saying. (laughs) But, But what I have with you is what makes a life. And then we have this kind of mirror scene in volume five where, um, Owen needs to be reassured that like she is not resenting him because without like this whole his entire past they would be yeah. back at home and now they're having this really dangerous and perilous life and is that the consolation prize for the life that she actually wanted which was to be safe at home and raise her kids and it right. is her time to reassure him and say, like, like there's no substitute for your life. Your life is your life. And the fact yeah. that I get to live it with you is extraordinary and special. And I wouldn't give it up for anything. Okay, Brad, you can look. You can flip. Just because you don't have <laughs> sticky notes in, in the volumes. Yeah. No, but I, but I love that. Like, their relationship is the kind of the bedrock of the whole story. Mm-hmm. And watching how their marriage, which is, I mean, look, listener, I've talked about this before. I'm getting married in February. Yay. And there is, you know, a lot of, you know, work and trepidation that goes into getting ready for that next step of your life. And, you know... It's it's a pretty, you know, daunting thing to be making that jump, but if, you know, if you know, God willing, if my if my marriage, you know, ends up even to be half as, you know, as honest, communicative and healthy as Kelly and uh, Owens does, then we're going to be in a good place because they really do bring out the best of each other, even in these kind of circumstances. But every couple, like every individual needs to be reassured by their partner sometimes. Like me and Brad, we have a really wonderful relationship. And every once in a while, the other will look into each other's eyes and just one of us will go like, just tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm special. (laughs) Are you like one of my... One of my favorite questions is, are 
mad at me. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, just like dumb stuff because like, you know, we're human beings and um, like, and we need love. And sometimes that love has to come in the form of like reassurance and, you know, acceptance. Absolutely. Have you seen now? Did I vamp enough about how meaningful our love is? <laughs> you did. I, I'm sure it was. Is that what that was about? I wasn't paying attention. Uh, the, the other thing I would want to talk about before we left is like the return of the old masters. Mm. Yes. Especially in issues 19 and 20 where Master Shun shows up and My battles guy. the dragon and battles Shaw. Uh, when that dude shows up, you're like, oh, like a new player has entered the ring. You know, it, yes. it's it's he's so cool and he's so um, iconic looking from the jump. Uh, and I like the way that they play ultimately with the old master's role in relevance to Owen Johnson. Um, there's some subversion going on there too, mm. uh, which 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 is enjoyable. But also, I kind of like miss like the just like the pure power of the way that Master Shen was introduced. Absolutely. I mean, you throw an eye patch on a samurai, yeah. and that's that's <laughs> yeah. box office, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, honestly, a big thing for me, I think this was. Oh, I want to say it was either issue nine or issue ten. Um, Owen just getting his super suit. Mm. which is a, kind of a silly way to describe it. But, you know, he's been fighting for the first, you know, 10 issues in street clothes mm-hmm. and then giving him this kind of, at least to me, like this iconic look. Yeah. Costume. You know, the yeah. big, the big red scarf. Like he looks like he is an old school, like in the vein of like an iron fist or a Shang Chi level hero. Um, that did a lot for me as, as somebody who is like, I enjoy I enjoy my comic cons and I enjoy, you know, the cosplay of it all. Like giving giving him an iconic suit I think is really freaking cool. I also think an outfit does give you powers. Well, it does. Like my mom talks about like um uh, like her being a nurse, like she was a nurse before I was born and her going like, you know, the only way I could change a bedpan was because I was wearing scrubs yeah. and like, and I was playing nurse. Like the idea of yeah. doing that, you know, like where it's just like you put on the right outfit and then you're like, clearly I'm capable. Look what I'm wearing. Well, we were know? talking about that when Oppenheimer came out. There's like the scene in Nolan's Oppenheimer where he gets the pipe and the hat, and it's like, <laughs> oh, he's got the costume on. He's super powered. <laughs> Let's go, Oppenheimer. Just put on the cape. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you just like, you know, the suit can make the man, and the scrub can make the nurse. And I and I don't have any super suit. Maybe that's my problem. I got a hoodie. I'm, I mean, put, putting on putting on headphones can be your super suit. There you too. go. I mean, it's it's po- podcasting is its own superpower. Yeah. So, or I'm podcasting is like nobody has to look at me. I could be, very well be wearing a super suit. You don't know. <laughs> this is an audio medium. <laughs> I, I think it's really silly that you're saying all that while you're dressed in a super suit right yeah. now. So. Yeah, the fact that you can and hear me through my ne- mask. <laughs> is you'll never be able to verify. <laughs> Her diction is excellent. <laughs> But yeah, it's I mean, we could go on and on talking about like literally every issue because I feel like every issue has its own like, whoa, page turn. And that's kind of the magic of this story. And 
obviously, if you have not read the story, what are you doing? Why are you spoiling things for yourself? But also, I'm really jealous of you because you get to experience this for the first time. I also feel like it is a comic that you can remove every dialogue balloon from and totally enjoy. Yeah. 100%. And that's that's something that I've always loved about Somni is that I, I'm pretty sure, you know, th- there might be the odd one out every so often here and there, but you can do that with almost all of his comics. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely yes. think so. He has a very kinetic visual language that does a great job in illustrating what's happening and the emotions. You know, you were talking about the uh, the reaction scene, and I immediately knew exactly what you were talking about. You know, we, we've talked on the on the book club about how Asad Ribic does maybe the best surprised face in all of comics. But. This one's pretty good. Yeah. This one's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The whole team on Firepower is super strong. You know, Matt Wilson yes. always always coloring Somni. They're a great pair, uh, and uh, Russ Wooten on letters. Like, I, I think it's like a phenomenal team. Uh, you know, and and the, and the team that people are not paying attention to, or seemingly not paying attention to in twenty twenty three. So true. So true. I am. I am shocked that they haven't won an Eisner yet. Like, it's oh. it's weird, yeah, right? It's weird to think about because, yeah. I mean, granted, there have been incredible comics during this run that have come out and, dis- you know, deservedly so have won things. But the fact that Firepower hasn't 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 had a big awards win kind of it, it really uh, grinds my gears. Yeah, like I, I think it, you know, it came out and people were like, oh, it's a Kung Fu comic. Okay. Right. And you're like, well, well yeah. <laughs> but also. But also yeah. <laughs> But also, it's this incredibly deep family drama about the life you leave behind and accepting the one you have. And I like, also wonder if that's the problem, too, is that it's a family drama maybe. about a functioning family for the most part. People just want people to suffer. And if they're not suffering, we can't give them awards and nice things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it is a conundrum. It's a, it's a fun. It's a it's a great book. Like, it it, great and book. it looks it looks amazing. So good. Yeah, and heartwarming. If, if, yeah, absolutely. If if we haven't illustrated over the last hour how good this book is, <laughs> uh, this is the time that we are saying that this book is pretty good, and you might want to consider reading it. Um, but as we're as we're kind of wrapping up here, um, do you have any favorite characters? Is is there one that speaks to you? Whether it's their their visual style, the journey they go on, where they get their firepower from. I love Waylon. I I think he's impeccably drawn. He's so interesting. Yes. He's so funny. And I think that he has his own insecurities and, and reassurances that he gets in his own way. You yeah. know, I think he's like a, a very interesting and fun take on like the kind of like, you know, you know, like Owen's kind of looking for this uh, paternal figure and and he's and he kind of doesn't want to fulfill that role and he's kind of ducking and dodging i mean that would be my answer also i mean owen and waylon are my favorite characters but i would also just say like the dragon you know like the dragon is real and every time showing that some somni dragon action it's a, a special event. And Shaw at the end of issue, what issue is this? 18 Shaw riding the dragon, like on that <sighs> splash page. And he's just going like, uh, at last we are free. 
Um, Covered in his flak jacket of snakes. Yeah, it's yeah, and Somni. Somni is my favorite character. <laughs> Somni is my favorite character. You're right. I, I was also going to say the dragon because I too sleep for a long time and then lash out when someone wakes me up. And peanut but, butter. Oh, peanut oh butter. can't or forget peanut butter. Peanut butter. peanut butter in the running for best dog in comics. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, again, I've I've waxed poetic enough about my my love for Owen's journey and how much I love him as a character. But I I also do want to you know put that you know wave that flag for Kelly because she is a phenomenal companion piece and in many respects just as deserving of the title of protagonist as Owen at times. Yeah, I like I I I'm a little. Like we we get we got stuck in a dynamic because she was then kind of going into what was more Owen's world, where right. she kind of has to defer to his expertise a lot. Where I feel like we lose the balance a little bit of her being a cop and wanting to prioritize being the an safe- active character. Yeah, prior- Prioritizing the safety of her her kids and all of that stuff. I feel like uh, she gets a little bit lost in the mix. And I also feel like Haley, um, her being this kind of like, she has this kind of morbid curiosity and and, um, she finds kind of the scary things reassuring because she's a very fearful individual. And she kind of gets diminished to just kind of being angry and lashing out a lot where I feel like Doug ends up being the more dynamic of the two. I like, I I, like personally, I just find a little bit frustrating. That's fair. That's fair. But you know, if this was 60 issues, you know, (laughs) (laughs) if we got that pizza dog arc, we could have had something here. Yeah. But we don't know anything could happen in this issue 30. It's true. Like announcing a, you know, OGN for January. There you go. You, you've put that idea in my head. And now I'm like, <laughs> it's so good. Oh my God. It's li- listener. I know you're really excited about it because you know that it's happening now, but uh, we're, we're recording a little bit ahead of time prior to uh, prior to the Christmas holiday. But as, as you can see, and as you can hear, we love this story. It is an incredible comic that, has captured my heart for years. It's a comic that, you know, I recommend to everybody any chance that I can. And it's a comic that I've loved to see get its flowers from people like Brad and Lisa, who, if I haven't made it clear enough, I hold in very high regard for their comic recommendations. They're good people. They know what they're talking about. And so I hope that if you take anything away from this episode, it's that this is a comic worth its salt and worth you reading and worth you sharing with people. And since we are, you know, in the in the holiday season of giving and sharing and, you know, being good to the people who made summon dragons in your life, I I want to I want to say thank you to you for for coming on the show to talk with me about this. It meant a lot to me to have both of you on here, um, and it meant a lot to be able to share in something that I've I've held close to me for a while. Well, thank you so much for sharing this conversation with us. Like we love this story and we love talking about love, and that's essentially what yeah. this book 
becomes about and it asserts itself as a, as a testament to accessing love and let love be your power. So, so yay. So this has just been like so fun and so fulfilling. Same here. Um, if our listeners want to follow up with you, feel free to do all your plugging and all of your things. Here it comes. Counseling.com. Uh, if you like uh, our, this conversation on firepower, Lisa and I did do five episodes on Mark and Eve from Invincible, including an episode in which get Robert Kirkman guest starred so that he could program our counseling sessions with Mark and Eve. Uh, some of our favorite conversations that we had in 2023. And we also had uh, Chris and Laura Somni on the podcast talking about their other comic book series, John and the Impossible Monsters, a series that also people should really be familiar with. Also about family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so check those episodes out. But comicbookcouplescounseling.com, at CBCC Podcast on all the social medias. Uh, come say hi. Yeah. Do it. They're great people. Um, both of those, both of those episodes, both the Robert Kirkman episode through all of the Mark and Eve stuff and the uh, the Somni interview, some of my favorite stuff that I've listened to this year. So yeah, go listen you. to their stuff. You 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 know. I say it every time. If you like what I do, you're gonna love what they do. Go listen to their stuff. It is worth the investment they have five years worth of material people <laughs> and you should it. go check that out it's crazy and no plan of ever stopping no plan we're gonna go for the next 500 years Why and not? what will we have after 500 years probably lots of good uh cbcc episodes hopefully maybe some clunkers <laughs> what? Why did I? I don't know I, I, we, we had a really strong out and then that um I self-deprecated and we have to start this episode over now. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the, uh, I'm going to do the intro okay, again perfect, and we'll perfect, reintroduce perfect. and we'll reset. start over. Okay. Everybody reset. <laughs> Take two. Ooh, welcome back to this week's comics countdown for the week of December 27th, 2023. This is your final comics countdown for the year of 2023. And man, what a year of comics. What a wonderful year we've had of comics, whether it's from the big two, whether it's an independent comic. 2023 has been fantastic, genuinely. And looking back on all of the comics countdowns that I've done throughout the year, it's kind of wild to think all the ground that we've covered. But this is, of course, the segment where I'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether you get your comic books at your local comic book shop, whether you buy them digitally, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. As I am recording this a tiny bit in advance, there will be no pick of the week from last week, though, I mean, any of the books that came out last week, as you're listening to this, um, could have easily, easily picked up the top spot but i am just i'm just kind of basking in how good comics have been this year it, it's been a it's been a tale of ups and downs but i think as the through line through 2023 it's just been about solid comic book storytelling so without further ado 
Let's get into this week's books. We've got six books to close out the year, so let's go ahead and just dive right into them. Kicking things off with Deadly Hands of Kung Fu Gang War number one. This is written by Greg Pak with art by Kayo Mahado. I hope I said that correctly. If I did not, I apologize. But our boy Shang-Chi is back! And he is part of this big old gang war crossover happening with all of these street-level heroes spinning out of the Spider-Man book. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Whose side are you on? Gang war has thrown the crime lords and superheroes of New York into a deadly conflict. And as both, Shang-Chi must play each side against each other in a dangerous game of deception. When he became leader of his family's five-weapon society, he promised to use it for good, but friends and foes alike have been unsure of his true intentions. The stakes of gang war will force his hand as he vows to protect Chinatown and use the opportunity to eliminate the five-weapon society's biggest rivals. He'll use his world-class fighting skills as well as deceit, calculation, and manipulation to navigate the battlefields as he learns the art of war is all about shades of gray. This sounds freaking amazing, right? This gives me, like, I don't know why, but it gives me hardcore Sifu vibes. If there is a Sifu sequel, um, or if just in general we need a Shang-Chi game, just in general, use, utilizing a lot of the same stuff as Sifu, but adding in kind of the uh, crime political aspects of it. I think it could be really, really freaking cool. But I'm just glad that Shang-Chi has a book again. I mean, hello. Uh, I'm glad that he's popping up in Thunderbolts, though he has not yet. So I'm glad that he's here on the cover. He's got his rings. So I'm very, very excited. Um, we're going to see. I'm I'm really excited to pick this up. And again, to be honest, I am not picking up the current Spider-Man book. I don't know what's going on in Gang War, but I'm going to be picking this up book for sure. Next up, we have Green Arrow number seven. One week, one week after we wrapped up our Green Arrow coverage, but we did get the news this past week that Green Arrow is now an ongoing and not just a miniseries, which makes me very excited. I love this book. I love these characters. I'm really enjoying it so far, and I can't wait to see where they go. Uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Trevor Harrison, Sean Isaacs, and Phil Hester. What a lineup! And I'm assuming is going to be uh, kicking us into the next era of these Green Arrow books. So the last issue gave us a big cliffhanger when it comes to Roy Harper and Amanda Waller. So let's see where we go from here. Oliver Queen is back. He's returned with his family to the present day, but the Green Arrow family reunion is just getting started. Green Arrow still has lots of secrets to uncover, like, why has Amanda Waller taken an interest in his family? I really kind of hope that they pick up some of the threads that were in the Rebirth run that we just wrapped up on the Geeksplain Book Club, um, because that would just make me feel really happy, and it would make, you know, the, the synergy of Geeksplain to DC Comics work all the better. But either way, very excited to pick this up. Next up, we have Timeless Number 1. This is written by The Hive Mind, uh, Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, with art by Juan Cabal. And I've been really interested in this book. Uh, ever since they announced it and the premise behind it, I have been waiting to see exactly what the hive mind has cooking up for us alongside Juan Cabal. So let's just dive into the synopsis and find out what's going on. 
Behold the Future of the Marvel Universe, featuring the debut of two new Marvel icons. In a devastating future born from the choices of today, all of time and space is threatened by the ascension of an ancient evil. The Moon Knight Unending has risen, a nightmare born of Stark Tech, the Eternal Machine, and the God of the Moon, and now all of Earth bows before his overwhelming power. But one man stands against Khonshu's coming tide of chaos, Power Man, the Marvel Universe's final living superhero. But who is Power Man, and how did he come to wield the unstable powers of the Sentry, the Hulk, and the Iron Fist? What dark, deeply personal conflict underpins this mind-bending apocalypse? And at the end of the line, can the Marvel Universe ever truly be saved? Plus, a shocking glimpse into the next year of Marvel stories. So they did this last year very much like a, hey, preview of what's to come. It's interesting because I just assumed this was Luke. I just assumed this was Luke Cage, it being Power Man, uh, the ties to Iron Fist. But it'd be really freaking cool if it was somebody else. Like maybe, oh, I don't know, Blue Marvel? That could be really fun. Either way, very excited to pick this up. Next up, we have Action Comics 2023 Annual. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Max Rayner. And this is, unlike what I said last time an Action Comics book came out, the true finale for the Philip Kennedy Johnson era of Superman. Um, I don't know where he's going after this. I believe he's still on Hulk, unless I am completely mistaken. Um... And I believe he's still doing the uh, the John Stewart book. But either way, this is going to provide the finale for his time on Action Comics, and I am very excited to see what they've got because it's basically time for some all-out war. Let's dive into the synopsis. Three years of Action Comics all led to this issue. Nora Stone's true form has been revealed, her gateway between worlds is opened, and the invasion of Earth has begun. As, this, as the multiverse's two most powerful families clash above Metropolis, which legacy will Otho Ra choose? Will the followers of Blue Earth defend their treacherous leader or their home? It has all led to this. Three years of action comic storylines culminate in this pivotal, dramatic, double-sized issue. So yeah, all the backups are done. This is just a full-on one-story book. I can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Immortal X-Men number 18. This is the end of the Immortal X-Men book. Uh, just like X-Men Red that wrapped up a couple weeks ago, this is it for this story in The Quiet Council. Uh, this is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Juan Jose Rip. Or Ripe. Um... I apologize, I don't know how to pronounce that. But this is going to, I'm assuming, wrap up everything having to do with the Quiet Council before we head into the fall of X next month. So let's just figure out what's going on. Forever changes. Being immortal means nothing when you've run out of time. There's no future. There's no past. There's no way out. Yeah, a real uplifting one there, huh? <laughs> it's kind of a bummer, right? I don't know. It's I'm very excited to pick this up. This is going to be a good time. Um, I mean, not a good time for the characters, obviously, because we've got the Fall of X coming next month. But I've really enjoyed this book. I'm excited because Mother Righteous is front and center on this cover. So I am really looking forward to this. But, of course, the big book of the week 
the book I think you should absolutely be picking up to close out 2023 is Firepower number 30. Robert Kirkman, Chris Somney, Matt Wilson, Russ Wooten. This book means so much to me. If you could not tell by listening to our main discussion with Brad and Lisa, I love this book. I love this book to death. And as we were recording this, I have no idea what's going to happen. As we were recording the discussion uh, for the main event of this episode, we had no idea what was going to happen. And I still don't know. But I'm really excited to find out. Here's here's hoping, still pulling for that uh, trade paperback to get announced for January, February to wrap everything up. But I'm so pleased with this book. I'm very excited to have been able to read it. Um, it bums me out that this has ended the same time or the same year that we got and lost Spirit World. But I I love this book. I love this book forever. Um, synopsis goes like this. Losing his parents, training at the Temple of the Flaming Fist, learning the firepower, starting a family. Owen's whole life has been building to this moment where he attempts the impossible one last time. Yeah, like what, what, what more could you ask for? Um, that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we've got Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Gang War, number one, Green Arrow, number seven, Timeless, number one, Action Comics, number 20, Action Comics, number 2023, uh, Action Comics 2023 Annual, Immortal X-Men, number 18, and Firepower, number 30. As we close out this year and look back on a ton of great comics, I hope that this segment has been helpful for you. Um, I know that most people come for the main segments, and according to the analytics, some of you drop off after that. Not a lot of people listen to this segment. So if you have listened to this segment every single week, thank you. And I hope it's helped. I hope it has given you guidance. I hope we've been able to discuss comics every single week and just be able to gush about stuff that was great stuff that we're hoping gets better or stuff that we're really excited for and i am really looking forward to all of the great comics that we get in 2024 and that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is the first time you're joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word you write. But as long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can have me read. And you'll be able to join the likes of our terrific 21. 
including Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jessing 20, Ken 4656, Director Hall, Mullet Overlord, Invisible Man 11, Ed Likes Things, Clip 326, That Logan, and Kenneth from Norway. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you'd like to be part of the Geek Explained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you'd like to participate in polls that decide future episodes, keep up to date with the podcast, um, get first notification on announcements or when new episodes drop, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, feel free to follow us at Pod. that's at P-O-D on Instagram and Twitter, uh, for as long as Twitter, I'm not calling it X's around, and as I try to get good at Instagram, I'm working on it, it's, it's, it's a work in progress for sure, uh, but that is going to be the place to follow us. Um, every single Friday, except this Friday, uh, is going to be the Geeksplained Book Club, where I, alongside my fellow amazing friends, Jacob Brown and Malcolm Russell Nelson, go through a series of comic books, whether it be a shorter series like the Grant Morrison Batman run, or a gigantic epic like Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Um, we just wrapped up season four, our Brave and the Bold season, where we covered both the Flash and Green Arrow Rebirth runs. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back in the feed. We covered all of it, including our five-hour episode on Heroes in Crisis, which is still a crazy thing to think that we did that, but it ended up being one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. So um, go check out the Geek Explained Book Club uh, as we get set for all new stuff that's going to be coming in 2024. It's going to be a big year for the book club, so I hope you join us this or next Friday. No, Yes, next Friday, I believe, as we're talking about this. No, the Friday after that. I am feeling very professional at the end of this. Um, our our next segment, kind of our interim intermission uh, book club, is going to kick things off on January 5th. And we're going to be covering throughout the entire month of January, Ultimate Invasion, Ultimate Universe, and the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man by Hickman and Chichetto. It's going to be a great time. So join us on Friday, January 5th, and every Friday. Be there or be square, not a circle. I want to say a huge thank you to Brad and Lisa of Comic Book Couples Counseling for coming on this show. You can tell. I'm a huge fan of both of them. I love their podcast. I love their perspectives. I love their approach to comic books, and they have been absolutely killing it. So once again, go subscribe to their show. I'll put the link in the show notes. They're incredible. I say it every time. If you like what I do, they're gonna you're going to love, absolutely love what they do. They're finally giving me what I want by covering Scott Summers and Emma Frost starting in January. So, ah, I'm excited. It's going to be a great time. But I also just want to take the time to thank everybody who guested on the pod during in December. From Malcolm making the jump from Fridays to Wednesdays to, I mean... 
every single time I get to talk to Dallas from the Comics Collective is just an absolute freaking joy. Um, to even getting to talk to Rena Ayu Yang. Rena Ayu Yang came on the show to talk Man in the Macintosh suit. Um, this whole month has just been full of comics that were made specifically for me. And I hope you have enjoyed the incredible conversations that we have had. And I mean, last year was the inaugural in December. This was our second, and I'm hoping to continue on the, the tradition. So uh, keep that in mind. Continue to read comics. Indie comics are so important to the business, to people's enjoyment. There are so many comics outside of the big two. Do yourself a favor. Even if you don't, even if you've already read the comics that you that we covered this month and last December, go out. Ask people, ask your friends, hey, are there any indie comics that you're interested in? Because that is what is the backbone of this industry. Go read more indie comics. Full stop, blanket statements, that's all. Um, but that is going to do it for this, this, this year. Um, well, not quite. That's going to do it for this episode, but it will not be our final installment of the podcast for the year of 2023. That, my dear viewer, is going to be this Friday, where I'll be uploading our end of the year special, where I'll be talking about my top five comics, video games, TV shows, and films. So join me this Friday as I go through that list. End of the year lists are always super difficult. And as I'm recording this, I have not written my list up. So <laughs> uh, get ready for that. I'm really excited to go through it with you. So join me this Friday uh, for our final, final episode of the year. But until then, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas hangover. And I hope that you are feeling good about the year. It takes a lot to go through all the things that people go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So I want you to know I am happy you're here. I am eternally grateful for you listening to this show. And I cannot wait to uh, talk to you again real soon. So uh, until Friday. For the Geeksplain podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe, and we will see you next time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the half happiest season of all With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings When friends come to call It's the half happiest season of all For hosting marshmallows, for toasting and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing, and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. 
It's the most wonderful time of the Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time, oh, the most wonderful time.